fellow travelers, welcome to a very special episode of the RPG Cave. I'm your host for this evening, Ryan Turford, the level 99 human archmage. And I'm all alone in the RPG Cave studio because, again, this is a special holiday episode of the RPG Cave. Uh, Garrett is actually not here this week because I wanted to talk about something that uh, I have a lot of experience with, which is where I know Garrett hasn't really played a lot of these games except for one that he talks about a lot. And this is, of course, Super Nintendo RPGs because the Super Nintendo is one of the best consoles of all time for RPGs, even though there weren't a ton of RPGs, not nearly the breadth of RPGs that, you know, something like the PlayStation 2 had where there was like way too many to count there. Whereas the Super Nintendo, you know, it had a nice like smaller library of RPGs, but the the RPGs that we got were all pretty awesome. So uh, I'm going to be doing a tier ranking today of all of the Super Nintendo RPGs that I've played. Um, I've actually included all of the Super Nintendo RPGs that came out in North America on my tier ranking here. I haven't played every single one of them, and I'll talk about them as we go because we do have this have not played section of the tier ranking if you're watching the video version, of course. If you're listening on audio, I will do my best to kind of, you know, walk everyone through this. Um, Also, this is going to be the final RPG Cave standard episode anyways of the year um, because next week you will be getting the Yumi Caprice, which is our game of the year show with all of our hosts, Garrett, myself, Consul Cato, Sean Capri, and Matt Sawinski. It'll be on this our, uh, podcast feed on December 31st. So next Friday, you'll be getting that episode as well. So make sure to come back and listen to that as well to kind of hear me talk about kind of my favorite RPGs of the year and Garrett's favorite RPGs of the year. And then, you know, all of our favorite games, just regardless of, you know, genre and whatnot. So definitely check that out on New Year's Eve. But let's jump into this. That's not wait any further because I'm excited to do this. Of course, if you're watching on YouTube, like, subscribe, share, do all the things people on YouTube tell you to do. If you're listening on audio, of course, subscribe to us on your podcast feed of choice, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Rate us as well on Spotify. That's a brand new thing that just came up (laughs) this week. So, of course, leave a rating for us on Spotify as well. Definitely helps the show grow as well. So let's start it off with Arcana. Um, This comes to us from How Laboratories, the company that makes... Kirby and Smash Brothers, um, believe it or not. They actually made a a first-person RPG on the Super Nintendo, um, but it's a game that I've actually never played. It's actually... I'm starting this list off strong, of course, with one of, like, the three games on this list that I haven't played, and Arcane is just one of them. We're doing them in alphabetical order, so that's where we're going to go with this. Also, I forgot to point out as well, kind of in my preamble as well, um, obviously, I'm going to rank these games S through D. I'm not going to do any F ranks because I don't think any of these games really are deserving of the F rank or anything lower than a D. Um, but I also want to explore the scale a little bit with this one. So um, this episode is going to be limited to three S tiers. So I have three S tiers in my mind already. I know the three I'm going to pick for that um, as kind of like the cream of the crop, but I want to explore things a little bit. So if a game it's that you, that you know and love gets ranked a little bit lower, not too much lower, but a little bit lower than you probably were expecting. It's because again, I'm trying to explore the scale a little bit because I mean, we could probably rank most of these games in, you know, A's and B's and S's if we're going on like a generic RPG list. But I want to have a little more fun with this and kind of, you know, give more brevity to that. And of course, no truer example comes up than our next game, which is actually Breath of Fire. This is a Capcom developed RPG that was actually published here in North America by Square Enix, Um, but they didn't actually have anything to do with the the, the development of the game itself. It was all Capcom. Um, This is a turn-based JRPG from Capcom, 
where you play as Ryu. No, I'm not making that up. If you, I mean, don't get me wrong. You can actually name the main character, whatever you want. But the default name, if you don't select a name, is Ryu. Um, just like, of course, the popular Street Fighter character. Obviously, it has nothing to do with Street Fighter. That's just Capcom being Capcom. So with this one, this is probably a C for me. I think that it's it's a fine game. It's fun. I, I definitely think there's good merits to it. But I also don't think you need to go out of your way to play it. It's 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 an okay game, I think. So I, I think it's definitely one of the weaker RPGs on this list. And that's why I've got to put it in the C, t- C tier um, and, and not really rate it above that. However... It's equal Breath of Fire 2, which is another game from Capcom, still turn-based. They actually made a lot of improvements to the gameplay, and, and the story's a lot better in this one, I think, too. So I actually think this one's a lot better, but not super high on this list either. Um, again, it's not a game that I find myself, you know, wanting to come back to all the time. Um, I think it's fun, though. I think it's actually a pretty good game if you've ever played it before. Um, again, you're once again playing as Ryu on a big fantasy adventure. Uh, one of the things I like about the Breath of Fire games, too, is that the, the party members that you have aren't really like your standard, like, human characters. A lot of times you have, like, beast uh, uh, human characters, like demi-human characters, um, which I think is like super interesting. So Breath of Fire 2, pretty good. I actually would rank this one probably in the B tier rather than C tier. I, th- I think it's good. I think it's a good game. I just don't think it's like amazing. I don't think it's anything to write home to. Whereas the next game, of course, I mean, there's no truer like example of an S tier than Chrono Trigger. One of the best RPGs of all time, in my opinion, a fantastic game from start to finish with incredible writing and party members that are super memorable. It has like 13 different endings. So if you want to actually travel through time and, you know, do all the different endings, I actually think that you definitely have a lot of fun with it. So Chrono Trigger S tier for me. 110% like that. I mean, that's like a no brainer at this point. So, and likewise, again, like at least one of my other S tiers is probably a no brainer too for most people as well. Whereas the other one might surprise you a little bit. Well, next game I know is probably S tier on a lot of other people's lists, but on my list, Earthbound is not that. Now, of course, again, this list is my opinion. It's not me to trying to tell you, you know, um, what I think like the editorial best uh, Super Nintendo games are. It's just kind of my personal opinion. Um, so don't take this the wrong way. I think Earthbound, I see the merits in Earthbound. I think that it's a well put together game, but it's a game that doesn't really speak to me personally. Like whenever I try and play it, like I've tried to give it, you know, multiple chances. Um, I played it not necessarily when it came out, but I played it um, when it came to virtual console. I also rented it. Um, and honestly, the, the three or four times I've wanted to try it again into Earthbound, I've just... I've just never been able to get into this game. I think it's fine. Um, I can definitely, again, understand why people really love Earthbound, um, which is why I'm actually going to probably rank it as an A, because, again, I can definitely, you know, recognize that it's a quality game. I just personally am not, like, over the moon with Earthbound. So I definitely, I, I'll give it the A. I'll give it the the the, the pass anyways. I think, it's, I think it's a good game, but it's just, it doesn't really personally speak to, to me, which is why I can't really justify giving this an S tier. Next up, Final Fantasy 4, aka Final Fantasy 2 here in North America. Um, again, on probably a generic RPG top list, I would probably rank this as an S, but of course, I'm saving the S rank for two other games, and this one is definitely an A rank, like no bones about it. I think that the combat system is incredible. The characters are great. I love kind of the 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 starting out as like kind of a Dark Knight story with Cecil and then kind of going into the his story uh, of redemption, becoming a paladin. Like I, I really love that stuff. I love the stuff that's on the moon and 
what happens with a lot of the characters in that game. So Final Fantasy II, it's got some great bosses, it's got a great story, and it's got a fantastic soundtrack. So yeah, easy, easy A tier for me. Another one that's also an easy A tier, sticking with Final Fantasy games, is Final Fantasy V. Now this one, I know, didn't come out in North America on the Super Nintendo, but it did, of course, get a fan, like an official translation on the PlayStation 1 of all consoles. Um, I mean, it also added numerous fan translations over the years. So I'd actually played this one uh, before the PlayStation version came out, um, but then I played it there, and it was awesome. Final Fantasy V is actually one of my favorite Final Fantasy games. It's not S-tier for me. It's definitely actually A tier along with Final Fantasy IV. Um, but Final Fantasy V actually had some cool improvements. It had the job system. Um, so you had like four main characters throughout the story rather than having this giant ensemble cast that you rotated through. Um, but then you could have like any job that you wanted on any of the characters and kind of like the way that that was balanced is certain characters were better at certain jobs than others. Um, and I really loved the, the, the combat in that game. I love the story. Um, and the characters as well, the writing. Uh, Final Fantasy V, definitely one of my favorite Final Fantasy games, and it definitely deserves a spot on this list. And you're going to actually see this as well with a couple of the other games here, where it's not a traditional North American Martin game, but because we have an official translation, um, and it's released in its original form on another platform, I, I still think it actually qualifies to be here. Next up, though, my second S tier, one that pretty much everyone could guess anyways, Final Fantasy VI, of course, this comes to us from Square Enix. Um, and yes, Final Fantasy III in North America. I know it's very silly, but Final Fantasy VI is just one of my all-time favorite games. Again, it's an incredible experience from beginning to end. Again, I love the characters in the world of that game. And it just, it did some really interesting things with, with storytelling, uh, in particular, like the, the opera scene, which of course everyone talks about when they talk about with Final Fantasy VI um, is one of the strongest things. But even just, I love like, uh, Tetra story and also uh, Kefka's you know role as a villain he's one of you know video games greatest villains and um, I, th I love kind of those things kind of colliding and coming together and again the combat system is just the finest like the most refined combat in a Final Fantasy game I think especially because I prefer that the 2D not the 2D the turn-based Final Fantasy games so I actually really love the, the combat in Final Fantasy 3 as well, or Final Fantasy 6. Yeah, I'm just looking at the box art. But I think that game, S tier, all day, every day, like that's like slam dunk, just like Chrono Trigger. Definitely one of the best Super Nintendo games, period, regardless of whether or not it's an RPG, just like Chrono Trigger is. So definitely have to throw it up there. But next up, we got the final Final Fantasy game, the black sheep of the franchise to at least some people, Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. First of all, I will say, I don't think Final Fantasy Mystic Quest is as bad as people say it is. I actually think that it's legitimately a fun game if you actually give it a chance. Sure, it's not as good as any of the other Final Fantasy games on this list, but I definitely think, for example, it's better than, you know, Breath of Fire, for example. Um, and, and I actually rank this probably in the B ranking. Sure, the combat's really simple, and you can beat it in an afternoon. Like, it's not, like, super long, um, and it's not really telling this really engrossing story, but I actually think it's pretty fun and definitely better than a lot of people think it is. And plus that soundtrack, like the soundtrack of that game is actually like really, really good, especially the battle themes, which I think are incredible. So Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, again, wasn't a game that I played growing up, but was a game that I discovered as an adult and w heard all these big, bad things about it and went in with low expectations and was actually surprised with how much I enjoyed it. So definitely have to give it a shout out in the B tier for this one. Next up, we've got a game that I actually did not get a chance to play. Um, that is Illusion of Gaia. I've heard a lot of really good things about this game, but 
I've just never had a chance to play it. So honestly, it's it's a game that I, I hope to play one day. It sounds awesome. Um, and it's definitely like one of the two games on, on my backlog as far as um, th- that, are, that are pretty near to the top of my backlog for Super Nintendo RPGs. That's for sure. Well, next up, we got Lagoon. It might just be the only D-ranked game that I throw on this list because Lagoon is an action RPG from Kemco. It's fine. It exists, but it's like, it's pretty mediocre, especially when you compare it to all the other games on this list here on the tier ranking. Like, I just don't think it's a great game. So I'm going to definitely give it a D ranking on my list. I just can't really argue for any good points about it. It's definitely not a game that's not worth your time at all. I do think it's, it's fine. It's definitely worth playing. It kind of reminds me more of like the ease games. So if you like the ease series, maybe you'll enjoy this one a little bit more than I did. Um, but I just personally didn't, couldn't get rid of the story and the combat's just, it's fine. It's serviceable, but it's, it just has like a mediocre feel to it compared to the other games on here, which is why I would probably rank it down here in the D category. Again, if I wasn't trying to explore the scale as much, it would probably be a C, but uh, especially on like a big overall RPG list, but definitely a D when compared to the other games on this list. That's for sure. Well, next up, we got another lower tier game in Lord of the Rings. Yes, there was a Lord of the Rings licensed game on the Super Nintendo. No, it's not based off the movies, though. It's based off the books from J.R.R. Token. Um, I think this one's like a clear example, just like Breath of Fire 1 of a C. Again, it's it's not mediocre. It's just okay. I think it's totally fine and serviceable. And if you like the Lord of the Rings and you like the, like the books and stuff, then I think you're probably going to enjoy it. But I personally didn't really... Like, I wasn't over the moon with it again. Like, I think, it, I think it's fine. So, uh, Lord of the Rings, it's fine. It's a game that exists. So, I'm going to definitely give it a C ranking um, and, and go from there. Well, next up is a game I'm actually quite familiar with because we actually rented this one uh, multiple times while I was growing up from my local blockbuster, and that is Lufia and the Fortress of Doom. Um, this comes to us from Taito, um, who actually made all kinds of games on the NES, but they didn't really, they're not really known for RPGs. They're mostly known for like arcade style games. And now today, if you know Taito, they're mostly known for like anime figures and stuff like that. But uh, no, they were actually like a, quite a prolific game company back in, in the 90s. And Lufia is actually a pretty fun game. I, I think that it's a game that a lot of people kind of missed out or or when they look at Super Nintendo RPGs, they look at stuff like Final Fantasy or Earthbound or Chrono Trigger um, before looking at something like Lufia. And Lufia is actually a pretty fun game. Again, it's not perfect or anything like that. Um, it definitely is really fun though. And I would actually throw this one in the B ranks, I think, because uh, again, it's not like an A ranking game. I, I think that it definitely has some problems. Um, it, it's more, it, it plays more like something like fantasy star almost as far as the combat is concerned, where essentially you're like in a first person perspective, kind of looking at the monsters. And then, um, you've got kind of your character, uh, por- portraits as, as well as your attacks and stuff along the bottom of the screen. So, um, I think it's fun. I think it's really good. Um, but it's definitely not an A or an S, but, uh, I do think it's actually a really solid game that I think a lot of people really missed out on. So if you've never played Luffy in the Fortress of Doom and you like turn-based RPGs, I, I definitely recommend it. I think it's really fun. However, my last S tier has to go to Luffy 2 Rise of the Sinistrals. Uh, first of all, this game is like stupidly expensive. So if you actually want like a physical copy of this game, good luck because they are not cheap. It's actually one of the more expensive uh, Super Nintendo titles and for good reason. I mean, it was kind of a, a, a mix of 
poor supply issue combined with the fact that it's actually a really quality title. I think that they basically took all of the the elements that I really liked from the original Lufia and just really, really improved them in, in a fantastic way. Again, the combat, the story, the characters, just everything about Lufia 2 is just so much better than the first one, game, and it's a really underrated game for the Super Nintendo. Again, again, it's also like the original Lufia. I think a lot of people really miss this game, especially because, again, it had kind of a lower print run, so there aren't as many copies out there, and again, the copies that are out there now are like stupidly expensive so it's like so unless you're playing in an emulator or something like that or on ever drive or something like that you're you're probably not gonna get a chance to play it really easily unless of course you want to you know shell out you know three or four hundred dollars for a physical copy of it but i do think it's a game worth playing that's worth your time and it's fantastic one of my favorite super nintendo rpgs is lufia 2 rise of the sinistrals i think it's excellent and definitely worth checking out next up we got Paladin's Quest, and this is my last game to actually put on the Have Not Played section. Um, I haven't really heard super good things about this one. This one's from Enix, um, and it's a, it's another turn-based RPG. It it, it looks okay. Like it, it, I've heard kind of mediocre things about that, though, so um, I'm not super excited to jump into this one. So that's kind of my reasons for not jumping into it yet. So um, I, I, it's not really super high on my list of you know, to do games for, for Super Nintendo RPGs. So I definitely put it in the have not played, unfortunately, section. Uh, maybe one day I'll get to Paladin's Quest. Or if people in the comments, let me know if Paladin's Quest is a game that I should be checking out. Because again, I haven't heard great things about it, but if you at home tell me that it's worth checking out, I will definitely make sure to check it out. Even though I love Paladins, Paladins are actually like my favorite class to play in a lot of other RPGs. Well, next up, we got Secret of Mana, the classic RPG action RPG from Square Enix. Again, it was like the site, the second Detsetsu series, of course, was kind of like Square Enix's answer to the Legend of Zelda. And this kind of plays like a more RPG ish esque Zelda game in a lot of ways. Um, and I think it's fantastic. Of course, a lot of people kind of rate this one really highly. Um, I will say that over the years, my excitement for Secret of Mana is not as high as the next game I'm about to talk about. So I definitely think that it has not aged as well, especially if you don't have multiple players to play this with. I think that this one's really rough to play if you're playing solo um, because like you have three t three party members, you have the main character and then the, the two side characters and they're all AI controlled and the AI sometimes just doesn't know what, <laughs> what it wants to do, gets stuck on walls and stuff like that. And I just don't think that it's, age as well as I could have hoped it would, especially again, if you don't have multiple players, like it's, it's really tough to go back to. So I would actually probably against my better judgment. And again, since we're exploring the scale a little bit and not just throwing everything in a and S ranks, I'm going to give this one a B. I think it's, it's good. It's really good. It's got amazing music. It looks gorgeous, but I just don't think it's aged super well. And then that brings us to the next game, which is trials of Mana. And I, I know of course this game also known as Second Detsetsu 3, came out in Japan only. It didn't come out in North America, but we did finally get its game, the game in its original form with a new official translation from Square Enix as part of the collection of mana on the Nintendo Switch. And that's where I actually ended up playing it. Even though I've played the, the fan translation, you know, years and years and years ago, um, playing the official translation, just it felt like coming home um, to, of course, one of my favorite Super Nintendo RPGs. So I actually think Trials of Mana... 
definitely improves on what Secret of Mana was doing. I think the story in Trials of Mana is better. It's also more customizable too with a lot more replay value because um, at the beginning of the game, you actually have six characters in total, um, but you basically choose who the protagonist is of the six characters as well as like what two characters are going to accompany them. And then depending on who you choose at the beginning, the story is different depending on which one of the three characters, like which of the three characters you basically select for your party, which is really interesting and cool. So I love kind of the replay value that's there and just the combat itself, I think is improved over the first one. It still has some, the same issues with the AI. So it's definitely better if you have multiple players to play with. Um, if you have three people to play with, I think it's, it's definitely the best way to go, but Honestly, I, I like it more than Secret of Mana. I think it's definitely held up better over time. And it's definitely an A rank for me, um, right behind Final Fantasy 4, 5, and Earthbound. I think it's a fantastic game. You got to check it out. It's, it's great. And then Secret of Evermore um, was not a second Densetsu game, but it was uh, a game kind of designed by Square Enix to be like that series. But it's not really like a mainline entry. It's more of a spinoff in a lot of ways. Um, it's, it's a game that I also really like as well. Um, and it, it has less of the issues that I talked about with secret of mana. Cause you're not co controlling multiple party members, um, with, with AI teammates or whatever. Um, you've, you basically got one main protagonist and his dog essentially are, are basically who you're controlling here. Um, but it's also an action RPG like secret of mana or, or trials of mana. Um, and I definitely think it's a good game, but I also would rank this one in B tier, right behind Secret of Mana. I think it's a game worth checking out, especially because I think a lot of people really miss this one as well. Um, but I don't think, again, it's like anything to write home about either. Like, I think it's a, I think it's a really good game, just not like an amazing title. All right, next game on our list is Shadowrun. This comes to us from Data East. It's more of an action RPG, but this is definitely like more of a, a Western style RPG, which of course was not something we got a lot of on the Super Nintendo. In fact, again, like as we've gone through this list, there's been like, it's mostly all been JRPGs. So this one, it was definitely nice to have like a, a Western RPG on this console, but I don't know if this one plays super well. It, it definitely is. First of all, it's based off like a pen and paper RPG. That's like a, a, a neo-noir style, you know, cyberpunk-esque RPG, essentially. Um, I think it's fine, but it, it uses this like, almost like this mouse cursor system to kind of aim. Um, there were eventually like PC versions of, uh, of like sequels to this game um, because this was the only one we got on the console. I, I think this is probably a C tier for me. I definitely think that it's a fine experience, but it's definitely not anything to write home about. It's definitely not like a really strong game on the Super Nintendo. Um, and I wouldn't, you know, recommend to go run out and play it. But at the same time, it's definitely better than Lagoon. And uh, it's definitely a game that that is enjoyable, for if for nothing else, but to actually have, again, a Western-style RPG on the Super Nintendo. Um, but I just don't think it's, like, that good. So I, I, I wouldn't recommend it super highly. That's why it's probably a C tier for me. All right, next up, of course, a game that I know that a lot of people really like. I like this one too, but just it's not an S tier for me like it is for a lot of people, and that is Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars. Um, this is a game that when it came out, um, we had rented it, and I could not get into this game at all. I just didn't love the combat system or anything like that. But I played it many years later when it actually came to, to Wii Virtual Console and actually found myself really enjoying it. By then, I had actually played uh, the Mario and Luigi games on Game Boy Advance, which were kind of like 
the pseudo sequels to this game in a lot of ways that they had like the, a similar combat engine and whatnot, but they had like a different style and tone to kind of the, the gameplay. Um, whereas Super Mario RPG is a game that's definitely grown on me over the years. Um, it definitely kind of like, I've definitely changed my mind from kind of my first impression of the game. And I think it's actually really solid. I think it's definitely an A rank for me. It's not an S rank for me personally, but I do think it's a really quality title and I definitely recommend people check it out. And then last on our list, again, another one of these games that didn't officially get a North American release on the Super Nintendo, but did come to the Game Boy Advance actually with an official translation. Um, and then, of course, there's fan translations out there as well for it that I've also played. Um, and that is Tales of Fantasia. Um, I've actually played this one, again, on Super Nintendo with fan translation, but also, again, the Game Boy Advance version, I've played that as well, plus the PlayStation version. So I played this game three times. And uh, Tales of Fantasia, I think it's a really good game, but on the Super Nintendo, it definitely suffers. I definitely think that it's not the best way to play it. It's definitely better than the Game Boy Advance version, which is definitely the worst version, which it, for some reason was the only version we got in North America was the Game Boy Advance version, like the, the worst ver way to play this game. Um, of course, this is the very first game in the Tales of series, which of course I've talked about on the show before. I love the Tales of games. I think they're great. And uh, this one itself is not as good. So I, I think it's a great, good, great game on PlayStation 1. So if you have access to, you know, um, a, a modded PlayStation one that can play Japanese games with, with translations and definitely play Tales of Fantasia there. Cause I think that's the best way to play it. Um, otherwise on the super Nintendo, it's, I, it pains me to do this, but it's actually probably a C for me. I think that it's probably not the, it's definitely not the ideal way to play it. And I, I just can't really recommend it super highly, even though again, it's the start of one of my all time favorite series. It's not, it definitely hasn't aged as well as I would have hoped. It kind of runs into the same issue with Secret of Mana, although you don't have like, you don't have the same issue because you don't really have the option to play with other players. Um, and, and again, it's an action RPG just like the other Tales of games. Um, and it plays probably similarly to like the other Tales of games on the PlayStation 1 or even the PlayStation 2 if you played those. I mean, you'd be right at home with the way that this game plays, but it just... I don't know. There, there's some ev unevenness to the gameplay and it's, there's some stuff that holds it back. Definitely not de-ranking because again, I, I, the de-ranking is where I would throw, you know, the Game Boy Advance version, but the Super Nintendo version is fine. It's just not amazing. And that's it for this list. I'm overall, I'm actually pretty proud of this list. I, I love, of course, the Super Nintendo of, as you kind of can hear in my voice, I'm actually really passionate about a lot of these games. And again, it was just kind of like a golden era for RPGs. Sure. We didn't have a ton of RPGs, but the RPGs that we got here in North America were really solid. Again, we got way more in Japan, stuff like Star Ocean, the Sailor Moon RPG, um, again, like the Trials of Mana, um, which again, we didn't get the release here, same with, you know, Tales of Fantasia. Um, but at the same time, I think that it was actually like the North American selection, it's pretty dang good. Again, we definitely got like the highlights uh, uh, of the Super Nintendo era of RPGs. Although we are, of course, missing, you know, the Dragon Quest games, the Saga games and stuff like that too. So um, there's definitely lots more out there that we could play. As far as games that I'm looking forward to, to playing on my backlog of Super Nintendo RPGs, as I mentioned before, Illusion of Guy is definitely up there. The other one that I'm actually really strongly excited to play finally, even though I know there was a fan translation that just came out two years ago for it, uh, is the Sailor Moon RPG, especially because I'm, I'm actually a really big fan of Sailor Moon. Um, it was the, the anime that really actually kind of got me into anime. So, um, I'm really excited to check that one out as well. Uh, those are kind of at the top of my list. And then maybe Arcana is probably up there as well, though. I don't really love like first person RPGs all that much, but I do kind of want to play that as well. And then maybe trying to play some of the saga games and stuff like that. Um, especially cause they got, most of them got 
current gen ports, so I can definitely play them there if I wanted to. Um, even though I know they're probably not as you know good as you know grabbing the Super Famicom version and playing it that way. But um, those are kind of at the top of my list of Super Nintendo games that I want to check out. But what do you think about this list at home? Let me know in the comments below if you're watching on YouTube or again, hit me up on the RPG Cave channel on the Discord as well. The Discord is free to join. Of course, the link is in the show notes. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan Turford. You can find us on Twitter at Yumi Capri's on YouTube at youtube.com slash Yumi Capri and on podcast services around the globe. Of course, this is the final episode again for the year. Thank you so much for everyone to, who listened to the show, who supported the show throughout the, the first year of the RPG cave. I know we're not at the first year anniversary yet. That's going to be coming in May. And I'm sure we're going to have like some big grandiose plans kind of going along with that anniversary. Um, but I personally want to say thank you to everyone who's given this show a chance for listening every week for commenting in the discord. I know that we have like a pretty like dedicated base of RPG fans in the discord. And I love interacting with every one of you. Even if I'm not, always jumping in on our conversations. I, I just want to say thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for being awesome. And I hope that everyone has a safe and happy holidays. Of course, I'm Ryan Turford. This has been the RPG Cave and we're out. The RPG Cave's mana is fueled by patrons over at patreon.com slash Yumi Capri. And I want to say thanks to each and every one of our Patreon supporters for all of your support throughout the years, as well as supporting our independent content. And let's start with, by thanking our premium producers, Dallas Ford, Lee Navarro, the fearless leader of the Phoenix Overdrive Extra Life team, and Jonathan Brown. You can find his content over at youtube.com slash PM Entertainment. Our platinum producers, Robbie Bobby Miller and Trucker Sloth. And our gold members, Argo, Brendan Myers, Dallas Robbins, Emily O'Kelly, Heather Boney, James Johnson, Joel Brooks, Jose Jimenez, Mac Time, Benji Kong, Marcus O'Neill, RJ Kern, Dano, Skinny Matt, Mr. and Mrs. Nasty Boots, Foolish Fuji, and Xavier Reyes. Thank you all for all of your support. 